0: chapter twenty four of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty four butler what are these sir yeoman and of what nature to what use the troc. imagine the tragedy of rollo quickly he's in arthur's bosom if ever man went to arthur's bosom henry v the stream of our narrative now conducts us back to william brandon the law promotions previously intended were completed and to the surprise of the public the envied barrister undergoing the degradation of knighthood had at the time we returned to him just changed his toilsome occupations for the serene dignity of the bench whatever regret this wily and aspiring schemer might otherwise have felt at an elevation considerably less distinguished than he might reasonably have expected was entirely removed by the hopes afforded to him of a speedy translation to a more brilliant office it was whispered among those not unlikely to foresee such events that the interest of the government required his talents in the house of peers just at this moment too the fell disease whose ravages brandon endeavoured as jealousy as possible to hide from the public had appeared suddenly to yield to the skill of a new physician and by the administration of medicines which a man less stern or resolute might have trembled to adopt so powerful and for the most part deadly was their nature he passed from a state of almost insufferable torture to an elysium of tranquillity and ease perhaps however the medicines which altered also decayed his constitution and it was observable that in two cases where the physician had attained a like success by the same means the patients had died suddenly exactly at the time when their cure seemed to be finally completed however sir william brandon appeared very little anticipative of danger his manner became more cheerful and even than it had ever been before there was a certain lightness in his gait a certain exhilaration in his voice and eye which seemed the tokens of one from whom a heavy burden had been suddenly raised and who was no longer prevented from the eagerness of hope by the engrossing claims of a bodily pain he had always been bland in society but now his courtesy breathed less of artifice it took a more hearty tone another alteration was discernible in him and that was precisely the reverse of what might have been expected he became more thrifty more attentive to the expenses of life than he had been though a despiser of show and ostentation and far too hard to be luxurious he was too scientific an architect of the weaknesses of others not to have maintained during his public career an opulent appearance and a hospitable table the profession he had adopted requires perhaps less of externals to aid it than any other still brandon had affected to preserve parliamentary as well as legal importance and though his house was situated in a quarter entirely professional he had been accustomed to assemble around his hospitable board all who were eminent in his political party for rank or for talent now however when hospitality and a certain largeness of expenses better became his station he grew closer and more exact in his economy brandon never could have degenerated into a miser money to one so habitually wise as he was could never have passed from means into an object but he had evidently for some cause or another formed the resolution to save Some said it was the result of returning health and the hope of a prolonged life to which many objects for which wealth is desirable might occur. But when it was accidentally ascertained that Brandon had been making several inquiries respecting a large estate in the neighborhood of Warlock, formerly in the possession of his family, the gossips, for Brandon was a man to be gossiped about, were no longer in want of a motive, false or real, for the judge's thrift it was shortly after his elevation to the bench and ere these signs of change had become noticeable that the same strange ragamuffin whom we have mentioned before as introduced by mr Swapham, to a private conference with brandon was admitted to the judge's presence well said brandon impatiently the moment the door was closed your news by your honour said the man bashfully twirling a thing that stood proxy for a hat i think says ow i shall be able to satisfy your worship's honour then approaching the judge and assuming an important air he whispered tis as owl i thought my god cried brandon with vehemence and he is alive and where i believes answered the seemly confidant of sir william brandon that he bees alive and if he bees alive may i flash my ivories in a glass case if i does not ferret him out but as to saying where he be at this nick of the moment smash me if i can is he in this country said brandon or do you believe that he has gone abroad by much of one and not a little of the other said the euphonious confidant how speak plain man what do you mean by means your honour that i can't say there he is and this said brandon with a muttered oath this is your boasted news is it dog damned damned dog if you trifle with me or play me false i will hang you by the living god i will the man shrank back involuntarily from brandon's vindictive forehead and kindled eyes but with the cunning peculiar to low vice answered though in a humbler tone and that good will that do your honour if so be as how you scrag's I, will that put your worship in the vey of finding he never was there an obstacle in grammar through which a sturdy truth could not break and brandon after a moody pause said in a milder voice i did not mean to frighten you never mind what i said but you can surely guess whereabouts he is or what means of life he pursues perhaps and a momentary paleness crossed brandon's swarthy visage perhaps he may have been driven into dishonesty in order to maintain himself the informant replied with great naivete that such a thing was not impossible and brandon then entered into a series of seemingly careless but artful cross-questionings which either the ignorance or the craft of the man enabled him to baffle after some time brandon disappointed and dissatisfied gave up his professional task and bestowing on the man many sagacious and minute instructions as well as a very liberal donation he was forced to dismiss his mysterious visitor and to content himself with an assured assertion that if the object of his inquiry should not already be gone to the devil the strange gentleman employed to discover him would certainly sooner or later bring him to the judge this assertion and the interview preceding it certainly inspired sir william brandon with a feeling like complacency although it was mingled with a considerable alloy i do not thought he concluding his meditations when he was left alone i do not see what else i can do since it appears that the boy had not even a name when he set out alone from his wretched abode i fear that an advertisement would have but little chance of even designating much less of finding him after so long an absence besides it might make me the prey to impostors and in all probability he has either left the country or adopted some mode of living which would prevent his daring to disclose himself this thought plunged the soliloquist into a gloomy abstraction which lasted several minutes and from which he started muttering aloud yes yes i dare to believe to hope it now for the minister and the peerage and from that time the root of sir william brandon's ambition spread with a firmer and more extended grasp over his mind we grieve very much that the course of our story should now oblige us to record an event which we would willingly have spared ourselves the pain of narrating the good old squire of warlock manor house had scarcely reached his home on his return from bath before william brandon received the following letter from his brother's grey-headed butler honoured sir i send this with all speed with the heavy bart to acquaint you with the sudden and it is feared by his loving friends and well-wishers which latter to be sir is all as knows him dangerous illness of the squire he was seized poor dear gentleman for god never made a better no offence to your honour the moment he set footing in his own hall, and what has hung wrong me like a millstone ever sin is that instead of his saying, How do you do, Samson, as was his wont, whenever he returned from foreign parts such as Bath London, and the like, he said, God bless you, Samson, which makes me think somehow that it will be his last words, for he has never spoke sin. For all miss lucy b by his bedside continual she poor dear don't take on at all in regard o crying and such woman's work but looks nevertheless for all the world just like a copse i sends tom the postillon with this hex press knowing he is a good hand at a gallop having not sixteen years ago beat some the best on un at a racing hoping as your honour will lose no time in coming to this house of mourning i remain with all respect your honour's humble servant to command john sampson the reader who has doubtless noticed how invariably servants of long standing acquire a certain tone from that of their master may observe that honest john sampson had caught from the squire the habit of parenthetical composition sir william brandon did not give himself time to re-read this letter in order to make it more intelligible before he wrote to one of his professional compeers requesting him to fill his place during his unavoidable absence on the melancholy occasion of his brother's expected death and having so done he immediately set off for warlock inexplicable even to himself was that feeling so nearly approaching to real sorrow which the worldly lawyer felt at the prospect of losing his guileless and unspeculating brother whether it be that turbulent and ambitious minds in choosing for their wavering affections the very opposite of themselves feel on losing the fellowship of those calm fair characters that have never crossed their rugged path as if they lost in losing them a kind of haven for their own restless thoughts and tempest-worn designs be this as it may certain it is that when william brandon arrived at his brother's door and was informed by the old butler who for the first time was slow to greet him that the squire had just breathed his last his austere nature forsook him at once and he felt the shock with a severity perhaps still keener than that which a more genial and affectionate heart would have experienced as soon as he had recovered his self-possession sir william made question of his niece and finding that after an unrelaxing watch during the whole of the squire's brief illness nature had failed her at his death and she had been borne senseless from his chamber to her own brandon walked with a step far different from his usual stately gait to the room where his brother lay it was one of the oldest apartments in the house and much of the ancient splendor that belonged to the mansion ere its size had been reduced with the fortunes of its successive owners still distinguished the chamber the huge mantelpiece ascending to the carved ceiling in grotesque pilasters and scroll-work of the blackest oak with the quartered arms of brandon and seville escutcheoned in the centre the panelled walls of the same dark wainscot the armory of ebony the high-backed chairs with their tapestried seats the lofty bed with its hearse-like plumes and draperies of a crimson damask that seemed so massy was the substance and so prominent the flowers as if it were rather a carving than a silk all conspired with the size of the room to give it a feudal solemnity not perhaps suited to the rest of the house but well calculated to strike a gloomy awe into the breast of the worldly and proud man who now entered the death-chamber of his brother silently william brandon motioned away the attendants and silently he seated himself by the bed and looked long and wistfully upon the calm and placid face of the deceased it is difficult to guess at what passed within him during the space of time in which he remained alone in that room the apartment itself he could not at another period have tenanted without secret emotion it was that in which as a boy he had himself been accustomed to sleep and even then a schemer and an aspirant the very sight of the room sufficed to call back all the hopes and visions the restless projects and the feverish desires which had now brought him to the envied state of an acknowledged celebrity and a shattered frame there must have been something awful in the combination of those active remembrances with the cause which had led him to that apartment and there was a homily in the serene countenance of the dead which preached more effectually to the heart of the living than william brandon would ever have cared to own he had been more than an hour in the room and the evening had already begun to cast deep shadows through the small panes of the half-closed window when brandon was startled by a slight noise he looked up and beheld lucy opposite to him she did not see him but throwing herself upon the bed she took the cold hand of the deceased and after a long silence burst into a passion of tears my father she sobbed my kind good father who will love me now i said brandon deeply affected and passing round the bed he took his niece in his arms i will be your father lucy and you the last of our race shall be to me as a daughter chapter twenty four